Hi everyone, welcome back to the Daily Gospel Exegesis, which is a production of Logical Bible Study Ministry. In this podcast, we look at the gospel reading for the day's Mass, and we really pull it apart. We try to get to the the literal sense of the text, which is where we need to start, according to the teaching of the Catholic Church. It's very hard to understand the Bible and what it's trying to say to us if we don't start with the literal sense. So this is the only podcast out there that goes through the gospel readings in an analytical way every single day. So I hope you're enjoying going through things in the way that we do them. Today we're looking at John chapter 10, verses 22 to 30. It was the time when the Feast of Dedication was being celebrated in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple, walking up and down in the portico of Solomon. The Jews gathered round him and said, How much longer are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have told you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name are my witness, but you do not believe, because you are no sheep of mine. The sheep that belong to me listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never be lost, and no one will ever steal them from me. The Father who gave them to me is greater than anyone. And no one can steal from the Father. The Father and I are one. So the context here is important. Uh, The last time we saw Jesus in John, at the start of John chapter 10, he speaks the parable of the Good Shepherd. And that's covered, uh, you'll hear that parable on the fourth Sunday of Easter in year B, or the Monday of the fourth week of Easter in year A. So you can go back and have a look through our podcast uh, to find that one. It might have been yesterday, depending on uh, when you're listening. So he's just spoken the parable of the Good Shepherd. And now, according to John, several months have passed. We're still, we're straight after it in the Gospel of John, just a few verses later, but some time has passed. But in this particular speech, Jesus revisits very similar themes about sheep. And so John has probably grouped these incidents together. Even though they didn't happen right after each other in time, they cover similar themes. And that makes sense if you consider what the genre is of the Gospels. Sometimes you'll hear people say the genre of the Gospels is mytho-history or maybe religious history. The best match we have for it is the genre is ancient biography, which is a real genre that existed in the Roman Empire. And basically, people would write biographies of famous Roman people, particularly emperors. And they were accurate historical descriptions, except they didn't always follow things chronologically. Those ancient biographies tended to focus on the character traits of the individual, which meant that sometimes things weren't always chronological. So that makes sense here, because John is basically writing an ancient biography of Jesus, highlighting his identity. Verse 22, so it's the Feast of Dedication. Now, that's the feast that we know today as Hanukkah. It's the Jews still celebrate the Feast of Dedication. The history of the Feast of Hanukkah is really interesting, because it's not in most Christians' Old Testament. Only the Catholic Old Testament tells us the historical event when Hanukkah came about. So it's in the book of Maccabees, 1st Maccabees. What happens if you read 1st Maccabees is the Greeks are in charge of Jerusalem at the time and the leader Antiochus Epiphanes of the 
Greeks. He's a terrible leader. He's defiled the temple. He's set up a pagan statue in the temple. He's outlawed Judaism and he's not letting them get into the temple. And if anyone is found practicing Judaism, they are killed. So it's a pretty terrible time for the Jews. But in 168 BC, Judas Maccabeus and his followers, they mount an uprising against the Greeks and they successfully cleanse the temple and they rededicate it. So as a result, Jerusalem was really joyous and it led to this institution of an eight-day festival to praise God for victory and the restoration of worship in the temple. That's all covered in 1 Maccabees chapter 4. So it was a great day of victory and all Jews remembered it at the time of Jesus. And to this day, Jews still do it. They still light candles on Hanukkah and that's um, commemorating in 168 BC when the candles in the temple were relit after a long period of time. So that's what Jesus is at Jerusalem for. He's there for the Feast of Dedication. It's a very joyous one in Jerusalem and the city would have been very busy. Verse 23, John says this interesting comment. He says, it was winter. Now, why is John telling us this? We'll talk more about it, but let's think about the timing first. So winter would be December and the Jewish month of Chislev would be the month that it fell in. And then he says, Jesus was walking down up and down the portico of Solomon. Now, John could have just said Jesus was walking around the temple, but he's really specific here. He says it was winter and Jesus was walking up and down the portico of Solomon. So this is going to be one of those examples that are really cool where when you dig into the culture and the context of what is going on, then it makes sense as to why John has used these words. So the portico of Solomon is part of the temple, but it's these long columned porches in the outer wall of the temple. So it's sort of in between the temple and the temple's plaza. It's these long columns that open up into the plaza area. And it was thought to have been built by King Solomon himself. That's why it's called the Portico of Solomon. Now, when it says Jesus is walking up and down, he's probably not taking a stroll. He's probably teaching the pilgrims who have come up to the temple for the feast. Now, this detail makes sense when we consider that in the winter, there would be these really cold winds coming in from the desert. And only the eastern part of the temple was protected because it was one of the only areas where the wind couldn't get to. And that is exactly where the portico of Solomon was. So Jesus is walking along the only part of the temple that would have been protected from the cold winds in winter. That's where he does his ministry. So that's a really interesting um, piece of information. And that, again, testifies to how we do have evidence that this is an eyewitness, probably the Apostle John who wrote this. Verse 24, the Jews gathered around him. So the Jews here would be the Jewish leaders, probably the chief priests and the scribes. And they ask him, how much longer are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Now, this is something that's repeatedly come up already in the Gospel of John, particularly at the last feast Jesus was in Jerusalem for, which is the Feast of Tabernacles in John chapter 7. There's a big discussion about, is he the Messiah? They know that the things Jesus is saying and doing make him seem like the Christ. There are some things about him that they're not writing him off completely, but there's other things he does. For example, he constantly criticizes their leadership, which make them doubt that he's the Messiah. 
It's important to talk about this because Jesus is, in a way, quite cryptic about his identity. The reality is, he never comes right out and says, in public to the crowds, I am the Messiah. You won't find that in the Gospels. He does say it in private to people, but not in public. As Christians, it would be a lot easier for us if we could easily point to verses where Jesus did publicly say that he's the Messiah. Why doesn't Jesus do that? Probably for the same reason that he gives parables. If you look in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus explains why he gives parables. And it's basically so that only certain people will understand. So Jesus never makes his identity completely 100% obvious. He always presents himself and his teachings in such a way that only those who are genuinely seeking God and open to the Holy Spirit will understand. That's the way he set things up, and that's the way the Father wants him to do it. So in other words, Jesus never comes right out and forces his identity on people, making it completely obvious, because he wants there to be an element of true faith. That's the way things work in God's plan of salvation. He goes on, I have told you, but you do not believe. So Jesus says, look, I've already spent a lot of time trying to communicate my identity. And in a sense, what he's saying to these Jewish leaders is, if you really listened to and thought about my teachings, by now you would have worked out that I'm the Messiah. He then says, the works I do in my father's name are my witness. So the works, his miracles, also testify to his identity. If the Jewish leaders really stopped and reflected on the miracles, they would realize that Jesus is the Messiah. So Jesus here, in effect, says, I've given you enough information. And that's probably an important lesson for us as well. There comes a point where Jesus and God give us enough information and we're not within our rights to push us for any more. You get a similar kind of thing in the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, Remember, the guy in Hades says, if you send someone back from the dead, then my brothers will believe. But then in the parable, Abraham says, they won't believe if someone comes back from the dead. If they won't believe the Old Testament, then they're not going to believe this miracle either. So it's an interesting kind of thing. We'll move on. Verse 26, you do not believe because you are no sheep of mine. Now, Jesus has just told the parable of the Good Shepherd, at least that that was the last thing that happened in the Gospel of John. So who are the sheep in that parable? If you've studied it, you'll know that the sheep in that parable represent those who are open to God and his promptings. Now, that fits the sentence, doesn't it? You do not believe because you are no sheep of mine. Because these Jewish leaders are not open to God, they don't believe. Verse 27, the sheep that belong to me listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. So those who are open to God's promptings, the sheep, recognize that Jesus is the Messiah and they do follow him. We talked about this a lot more on the podcast when we looked at the parable of the Good Shepherd. I give them eternal life, they will never be lost. So the teaching here is that if the sheep continue to follow God's promptings and follow Jesus, they will inherit eternal life. Now, the words here for never be lost is more literally perish. So Jesus is the good shepherd that keeps his sheep safe from perishing, and he leads them to the pastures of eternal life. Then we get to this verse, which is often misunderstood. No one will ever steal them from me. Now, some Calvinists and other Christian groups would say that this verse teaches eternal security. No one will ever be able to steal the sheep from me. 
So certainly this is a promise that Jesus will protect his sheep, and particularly in context, he's going to protect them from the wolf. In the parable, there's this wolf that tries to break in and steal the sheep. So the teaching here is certainly that those who continue to willingly follow Jesus will be protected. Jesus promises to lead them to eternal life. Now that fits in well with the theology all throughout the Gospel of John. Those who follow God's promptings are united to God and Jesus in a mystical way. So in a nutshell, this verse says that as long as someone follows God's promptings and follows Jesus, they are his sheep and they will be protected by Jesus, and they will inherit eternal life. But that's the key thing. This doesn't preclude that the sheep might voluntarily choose to leave. And at that point, they would no longer be sheep, because they're no longer listening to Jesus, and they're no longer guaranteed Jesus' protection. That's important to keep in mind. Even sheep could make decisions. If they choose to follow Jesus, then Jesus protects them. But if you choose to stop following Jesus, then you're no longer protected. In the same way. And so this verse does not teach eternal security when we think about what sheep means in context. Verse 29, the father who gave them to me is greater than anyone and no one can steal from the father. So that basically means as no one would be able to take them out of the father's protection, even if they tried, because the father is the greatest possible being there is. The father gave those same disciples, those same sheep to Jesus So this verse teaches that the sheep belong to both the Father and the Son. And Jesus intensifies that even further. Verse 30, the Father and I are one. Now in context, what Jesus is saying is that the Father and I are united in our purpose in protecting the sheep. No one can steal the sheep from the Father. No one can steal the sheep from the Son. And in that sense, the Father and I are one. They're united in purpose. That's the basic teaching. But that the Jews perceive that he's saying more than that. It's a huge claim. And the Jews listening to him interpret Jesus to mean that he and God are equal. So it's a claim to divinity. And the Jewish leaders understand that. And they accuse him of blasphemy. And they try to stone him to death. If you read the coming verses, they say, You being a man have made yourself equal with God. And that's why they try to kill him. The church itself in the early years, would also see in this passage not only Jesus claiming that the Father and the Son have the same purpose, but that they have the same nature. The Father and I are one. Now, that's the end of the passage for today. So, if you were continue to read in John chapter 10, the next kind of batch would be verse 31 to 42. That's read on the Friday of the fifth week of Lent. So you can go back through the podcast if you'd like to listen to the next part of John chapter 10. That's when they try to stone him. That's Friday on the fifth week fifth week of Lent. And then some of John chapter 11, it's kind of John is spread out all through the liturgical year. So chapter 11, some of it is read on the fifth Sunday of Lent. And then there's bits of chapter 12 you get to hear around Lent as well. But there's some parts of chapter 11 and 12 which are never in the lectionary, so you never get to hear them at Mass. So if you want to hear those passages and you want to hear an exegesis of those passages in the same way that you get to do on this podcast, you won't be able to hear it as part of our regular daily podcast, but there are bonus episodes available for you if you become a supporter of the ministry. So they're available through the Patreon page. And we are going through... John chapter 11 and chapter 12, the missing parts that are never 
Reddit mass. So please prayerfully consider becoming a Patreon supporter, and there's lots of benefits like that available to you. There's a link to our Patreon page in the show notes, and I'll be so grateful for your support. Even $10 a month makes such a difference to what I'm able to do in putting together this podcast and getting it out to more people. So let's finish by looking at three brief uh, paragraphs from the Catechism, which discuss what we've seen in John chapter 10. So paragraph 548 is about the signs of the kingdom of God. It says, The signs worked by Jesus attest that the Father has sent him. They invite belief in him. Those who turn to him in faith, he grants what they ask. So miracles strengthen faith in the one who does his Father's works. They bear witness that he is the Son of God. So that paragraph references in here John chapter 10 when Jesus says, My works testify to my identity. And that's the whole point of the miracles in the kingdom of in, when Jesus is preaching the kingdom of God. The miracles are supposed to be a testament to his identity as the king, as the Messiah. Paragraph 583 of the Catechism is about Jesus' relationship with the temple. And there's this brief comment which says his public ministry itself was patterned by his pilgrimages to Jerusalem for the great Jewish feasts. And it references here John chapter 10, where he comes up for the Feast of Hanukkah. And then of most importance, paragraph 590 is about the discussion of the Trinity. It says, Only the divine identity of Jesus' person can justify so absolute a claim as he who is not with me is against me. And he's saying that there was in him something greater than Jonah, greater than Solomon, something greater than the temple. His reminder that David had called the Messiah his Lord and his affirmations before Abraham was, I am, and even I and the Father are one. So that paragraph from the Catechism is a nice collection of lots of things Jesus says about his identity and it brings it together to help us realise that Jesus does in fact claim to be God. So we'll leave it there for today. Thank you for listening. I hope you've learned something new. It's always great to get into the Gospel of John because there's so much going on in the text that we often miss. Thank you and please tune in again tomorrow.